rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mostly Harmless. I'm your host, Dammit Damien. Buddies, welcome to this very exciting episode of Mostly Harmless, because this week we're hanging out and I'm chatting with my dear old friend, Miss Bria Grant. Now, Bria Grant is a woman of many talents. She has so many talents. I'm going to read off my list to make sure I don't miss any. First off, Bria is the co-host of the Reading Glasses podcast, a wonderful podcast about all things books. Bria is the writer of this here graphic novel, Mary, the Adventures of Mary Shelley's great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter. Bria is also the writer and director of 12-Hour Shift, out now on Blu-ray and DVD and wherever you buy your films. The film stars Angela Bettis. You may remember her from the film May. It also stars David Arquette, who you may remember from his best film, Ready to Rumble. What else is on the list? Oh, here's some other stuff you might know. Bria was the writer and star of the upcoming Shudder original movie, Lucky, coming out, I believe, uh, next month. Bria was also on season three of Heroes. She appeared on a few episodes of Dexter, and you probably know her from Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, where Bria played the character Maya. But of course, I'm always going to remember Bria as the drummer for Junction June. It was an all-girl punk rock band that existed in East Texas. I knew Bria some 20 years ago. I used to write about her and her band for my punk rock zines and for my websites. Uh, We got to be pals. Unfortunately, we kind of lost track. I hadn't talked to her uh, except for the occasional email, tweet, or Instagram message. Needless to say, I was pretty nervous going into today's chat. Uh, To me, I mean, I didn't go to my high school reunion, but it felt like what you probably feel like when you go to your high school reunion. uh, I was just a big ball of nervous and energy and excitement. And would she remember me? Would she make fun of me? I didn't know what to expect, but buddies, there was nothing to worry about. Other than me being a weird ADD kid who just talks way too much, we had a real fun chat. It was really great to catch up with her. This is way more of two friends reconnecting and reminiscing than an interview. So if you're looking for an interview, you might be in the wrong place. Today we're going to be chatting about that very special time in our lives when we were growing up and uh, hanging out in the East Texas punk rock scene in the 90s. It's it's so weird that existed there. And, um, and we talked about how those days, those early punk rock DIY roots still play a role in Bria's life today. Uh, We talk a lot about 12-hour shift. We have a real good, fun, free-flowing chat. Buddies, if you like what we got going on, please subscribe here on YouTube. Easiest way to support the podcast. We're also available wherever you get your podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Buddies, I'm going to ramble so much more. Normally, I cut a lot of myself out of this podcast. uh, But today, chatting with Bria, she encouraged me to keep myself in, keep the weirdness in. And really, man, I just had a whole lot of fun chatting, catching up with my old friend. And it was good reminiscing about those... uh, the special times in Longview, Texas. So buddies rambled enough. Let's go chat with Bria. Hey, how's it going? It's good. How the hell are you? I am good. How long do you have? I mean, I'm pretty free, man. Okay. Killer. (laughs) Try not. I have literally four pages of note and then even more notes on my phone here. I'm not going to, I'm also not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous because it's like, you've done so much stuff that I want to like, Oh my God, please don't feel that way. I literally, all I do is talk about the shit that I do and it's so boring. So like, this is so much more exciting to get to talk about something that like no one actually knows about. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty cool. Like, I didn't know if you had 
purposely not talked about it. Being the person that I am, I Google Junction June every so often to see if it pops up. And it's only like once or twice here and there. And I'm like, oh, uh, huh. no one. I mean, we could talk about it. I don't think anyone thinks to ask, oh, it's you weird. know, like as an actor, you don't really control we, we should talk about this because I actually like I have I have opinions cool. about why I think people don't ask me that like as a like a, an attractive blonde woman I think that they are just yeah. assume like a certain background or something I'm not sure but like I I, I don't know no one ever th- thinks to ask that kind of question well cool well we can just even like we'll just start it we've already we've already started then how about that wow here we are <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry I'm nervous um <laughs> You shouldn't be. You've known me forever. Like this I, is. <laughs> I know, but also at the same time, it's like, I I feel like if I if I do a bad job, I'll let you down. I'll let myself okay. down. You know, it's that anxiety that gets in your head as a creative, which I'm sure you very well understand. Again, it's weird doing this o- o- online because, like in person, like I can feed off your energy, you can feed off mine. Instead, my energy is just bouncing back and forth. Dude, I will tell you, um, we I was in a writer's room over the summer, and it was a Zoom writer's room, and um, I feel like I did not get to know any of the writers in the room because we're we th- you don't feel each other's energy, and it's weird because like in a writer's room, you're very personal and you talk about yeah. your personal experiences. And I know all these things about them, but I don't feel like I know them, which is so weird. Like, is there something about human connection that doesn't translate to Zoom? But we're lucky. We knew each other once upon a time in a land called uh, West Texas, never East East Texas. Texas. I grew up in West Louisiana. You grew up in East Texas. Correct. Yes. Well, man, man, what a what a small crazy world! What, what a weird world! <laughs> like, fuck it! Like, I'm gonna throw the questions away. Let's just bullshit and just have a good time, and then I'll look at these notes. Uh, you know, you grew up in Marshall, Texas. Uh, I think of it as Longview, Texas, because that's where I met you. Was going to those shows. It's what 30 minutes away, 15, 20. Yeah. No, 30. It's not 30. It's all like the same epicenter. Once upon a time, I did a website called Shreve Punks because I lived in Shreveport. It was P-U-N-X dot T-S. It had a, it was on tripod.com. That's how old I am. I had an AOL.com. I got to meet you through your band Junction June way back in the day. First show I remember seeing you play was opening for Less Than Jake in Shreveport. Um, I was, and then I would just keep running into you at shows. I was this shy, awkward kid who desperately wanted to be a part of something. And I found this punk rock. And so what I did, I didn't know how to be a part of it. Nobody believed in me. Nobody would let me be like the singer of a band, which was really my real passion at the time. It was like, I just wanted to sing. I just wanted to be in a band. I picked up uh, my mom's shitty camera and I just started taking photos of all the bands. And then I just started building websites. And that's how I met you once upon a time. Yeah. And I do believe I helped you build the Junction June website like fucking a hundred years ago. It's very possible. It's funny. I was like trying to remember. Yeah, I would never have remembered where we first met. And I, I honestly, still don't. That, that I may forgot be that we opened for less than Jake. So like that's kind of like, I mean, that makes sense. Because I remember right after that Warped Tour happened and we made friends with. So I was in this like all girl yeah. punk band. So of course we made friends with everybody. There we are. And this is not a very good photo. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to scan it and throw it in. So people are looking at that instead of my hand. Nice. And, uh, and, and then they invited us to work tour and I got to go to work tour with less than Jake. not to play, but we like went and hung out with like with them for a hot minute. Me and the, the singer, I played drums obviously. And then the singer and I, maybe Jillian went, I can't remember, but yeah. yeah. 
was that the that and that was probably the Houston Warp Tour because they canceled the Dallas one that year. This is all inside baseball. Nobody cares except for you and me. I mean, I care. This kind of stuff is yeah. so fun to me. <laughs> you you <laughs> forgot that you forgot that your band opened for less than Jake. I I kind well like it like yeah I guess I do remember it's not something I like think about on the regular. <laughs> I, I guess I, that's I guess that's the difference is because like I never left this like punk rock world. I found my place during that time and it was like interviewing bands, seeing bands, doing bands, working in venues. So all that is still so like fresh in my mind, but you didn't stick around, but which is fine. Well, I didn't stick around like physically. I didn't yeah. stay in East Texas, but I still was doing, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like I moved to Austin and I started, I went to college in Austin and I started doing way more. I still was going to punk shows. I quit playing in bands. Um, just because when I moved to Austin, I couldn't find anyone who wanted to like play in bands with me. And I realized I wasn't as good as everyone else. <laughs> yeah. This is Austin. So I got much more involved in like, I mean, I still do a lot of stuff with music. I started a zine distro in Austin, got really into activism and like worked at this anarchist bookstore. So I did a lot of stuff like that. Like, and I threw shows at the bookstore, but um, I was doing less music stuff. And I just didn't go back to East Texas that often. Honestly. And why? I mean, no offense to East Texas. Why would you? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my dad lived there still until like eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. So I would go back to see him. But yeah, I didn't have like, I think it's that thing of like, I also like feel like I found my place like in the punk scene, but like I didn't have that many friends in Marshall specifically. I had a couple, like two or three, and most of them moved out. So it was like, it wasn't, my cousins still lived there, but there wasn't like a ton of a reason for me to be back home. Yeah. Well, so let's, let's go back even further. Like, how did you start playing drum? Man, um, so the one band that you didn't see, sure. <laughs> actually, a few bands you didn't see, but um, I was in a band when I was 14 or 15, I was hanging out with these girls and we all liked, like, we really loved like new school punk kind of stuff. And we loved ska because it was the nineties. This yeah. is embarrassing. I still love ska. <laughs> okay, good. Great. Um, uh, and so I started this, I was in this, this ska band with all my friends and my friend Marissa knew how to play guitar a little bit already. And my friend Cindy knew a little bit how to play bass and we didn't have a drummer. So I was like, well, I guess I'll learn to play drums. And that was like the, it was just sort of like, um, uh, it was need. I, we knew we needed a drummer. And so, uh, and then this girl Colleen sang and we were in a band called shut up and dance, nice. which is a fucking great ska band name. Yeah. <laughs> When was that? Do you remember? Uh, I was like, probably like 15, 16. It was right oh. before I was in Junction June. So it would have been 95, 96. And then I think when I saw Junction June was like 98, 99. Man. Yeah, weirdly that band was like with some girls from Dallas. So I would go drop back and forth to Dallas uh, to go play music with them, which was so crazy to think about because it's a two and a half hour drive. But I didn't have anything to do. So I would go out on the weekends and yeah. play music with them. Well, like when I moved to Colorado, it was weird because like I lived in Colorado Springs for 12 years and people were like, I'm not driving to Denver to see a show. Denver's only an hour away. And where I grew up in Shreveport, we would, it was like, oh, there's a show in Longview, which wasn't out 45 to an hour away. We were at as many of them as we could because that we would just eat it up. So I totally get that driving three hours, two, three hours to Dallas because it was just we were filling, we were filling that void somehow that we needed to fill. How did you get into, like, how did you discover this music? I know you have an older brother, Zane. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the older brother thing, I feel like is always the helpful, the older yeah. sibling. Uh, my, my partner, John also has an older sibling and we both like give them credit for getting us into like cool stuff when we were, we were quite young. Zane started listening to punk music and made friends with some older kids that were like seniors and uh, had just graduated from Marshall High School. Um, and then some people who lived in Longview, some guys who lived in Longview, this guy Justin who I'm still friends with and some other guys. And um, he made friends with those guys. And then I thought they were all so cool. So I started listening to the music too. And I was like, very like, you know, I definitely like liked the more melodic stuff at first. I feel like that was much more accessible for like a person who didn't have much of a, um, who wasn't into that space before that. Cause I was, I mean, I was like 14 and I was, I was definitely coming from like, I mean, I, I was into like, I mean, it was the early nineties. Right. So it was like, I was into like alternative grunge kind of stuff. So it seemed like a pretty logical step, but not in East Texas. Like I was definitely the only, me and my brother and my cousin and like one other person were the only people really listening to it for sure. Yeah. in Marshall. I remember your your brother had this online zine that I would read. He was a damn good writer. What is Zane up to these days? Does still write some. He and I wrote comic books together yeah. um, for a while, and then and now he's a nurse. Uh, so he's a nurse, but he also still does creative stuff. He he. We play D and D every Friday together. Oh. Weirdly, with someone from Marshall, Texas, who also played in a band with me. Damn. Uh, yeah, who played in Vicky Lawrence fan club? Yeah. Which I also have a flyer for. <laughs> <laughs> a really bad Vicky Lawrence fan club. I think the one and only time I saw Vicky Lawrence fan club. Also, this might, I, I was trying to think, I think this is the last time I saw you in person was at oh this Vicky Lawrence fan club show in, uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana at KSCL. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mark yeah. Woods and we plays, uh, we all play D and D together every Friday. Man, uh, that's, that's wild. And he still plays music. And it, I mean, it's so weird. Cause it's like, in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I still am so surrounded by music in so many ways. So it's yeah. like, such a weird yeah anyway well and then you know i also have a flyer of junction june playing with the paper chase i sent you a copy of this one yes, i do I believe know. i love you sent me the copy of this yeah amazing uh, who else is group? on that flyer uh it is the paper chase junction june a band called flushed out they were from uh uh i want to say nashville it was natchitoches natchitoches louisiana i don't remember the other two bands gooder and 12 gallons no clue <laughs> uh, so, you know, I have this great idea. I watched 12 hour shift last night. Um, I loved it, by the way. It Thank was you. wonderful. Um, the notes I wrote down were set in 99, 90s Miramax style, Tarantino vibe meets John Carpenter meets Fargo. It's funny. Like, I ah, like I love that. That's a, I'm going to sell it on that now. <laughs> Please. It, it reminded me of a 90s movie. And it, it, even more important, like, because we grew up in the South it reminded me of those people that I grew up with and uh, I don't want to get into the movie yet. Uh, but I still want to just tell you that I really, really enjoyed the hell out of it. Being in a band playing drums. I, here's what I remember of you as I remember you as this short, small, spunky, energetic, uh, competent young person. Yeah. I just remember this great sense of confidence you had in yourself at that time. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, the drummer is kind of the leader of the band. Maybe, maybe that's why she, you direct films now. You were a drummer. You were the leader. I don't know. Have you always been a leader? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I was thinking about this actually. 
actually like literally before we started talking about what my role was in the band. And I don't know if I would call myself the leader. I was definitely the bossiest, uh, which is definitely translated into my career at this point. I was definitely the one that like was like, we need to practice. We need to do this. And I was the one who would book the shows and the one who would be the outgoing one to like talk to people at shows. I, I really, I think there was a part of me that, I mean, very much wanted to escape East Texas in some ways, escape like what I saw, what could be my future in like this small town if I stayed and if I continued down the path. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just didn't think that that was what I was supposed to be doing. And I saw the outlet. I mean, I, I and John and I, John, who used to play in the paper chase and is, you know, makes music now. Um, we talk about this all the time that like punk rock saved our lives. Like, I yeah. mean, that... I, the being involved in that community showed me that the world was much bigger and I wanted to meet every, I mean, I can only imagine how irritating I was. I, I still am very irritating, but, I, but I, I wanted to meet every person at every show. I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to see what the world was going on outside of like what I saw as just a very traditional, like East Texas path, which was like, go to football games on the weekends and I mean, and, and, you know, uh, get married have kids settle down in a house in Marshall and like work at the bank. Like that could have been my life and I probably would be happy and fine with it, but I just did. I, I just felt like there was something more. And I felt like that for some reason there were people who were doing interesting things and I needed to meet them and know everything about it. And so I think maybe that's why I pushed so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny you thought of me as competent because I feel like I had no idea what I was doing. I, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, and that could be because I was such a shy young boy. But again, like it was that competence and that that personality. And it's it's cool to hear that those traits you're still you're still bossy, you're still running around, you're still making things happen for yourself. It's it's pretty cool to see all those trends keep going and and aligning themselves that way. Yeah, well, it's weird when people like us, like you get. I mean it's interesting to be involved in like a punk community in a place where like there it, it's not the norm. Right? right. Because I think you you're searching for something yeah. <laughs> and you're already used to being an outcast and you're already used to being the weirdo. Like I was definitely the weirdo at my high school. So it was like, it almost was like an invincibility in some ways. Right. I, it was like, what can people do to possibly hurt my feelings? I'm already like the weird person in my high school that nobody likes. So like, you can't, I, I can talk to anyone because I'm not, I've never been like the most popular person. I've never been like the coolest person. I've only been like the other one. So like, I, I just felt like I could just go into any scene and it's helped me out. Cause I feel like I can right. go, go anywhere and kind of like, what's the worst that could happen. <laughs> Bria, you just put out this wonderful graphic novel. I did. Yeah. Mary. I loved it. Um, I still want to talk about punk rock, but I think we're at the right place to talk about this quote. I wrote it down because I feel this way every single day I wake up. It was a quote said to Mary. It is, haven't you ever wondered what it is you're really supposed to be doing? Like, I think that every day. I'm like, um, that's why I started this podcast back up is because I'm like, what am I supposed to do with my life? So, I, and I, it feels like you're still exploring those ideas yourself as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had like such a weird trajectory in so many ways. Like I went to college, I went to graduate school uh, thinking I was going to be a professor. I have a master's degree in history thinking like, oh, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And then along the way, I always felt like, well, I, I really do have, I wanted to always make movies. I wanted to make TV. 
and I never explored it. So I just moved to Los Angeles and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to see what happens. I moved out here with the idea that I might be an actor. I might be a producer. I wasn't sure. And then acting took off for me in like a big way. I went down that path for so long and I had so many people around me who were really encouraging me to do that, which was fine. And I, but I never felt totally satisfied with it. I, I, I feel like I went home every day being like, cool, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I feel like there's something more to offer the world. And what I've been saying in the last couple of years, because I feel like people are like, don't, because I am still acting, um, but I'm definitely not, I'm definitely doing more writing. I'm doing more directing. I'm doing more things that I think bring out the side of me, the organizational drummer side of me, if you will. <laughs> um, uh, uh, that, that really, um, I don't know, they bring out better, better sides of me. Because I think everyone has seen a lot of this, seen a lot of my face, but I haven't got to show the world like what's in here as much. And I, I, I mean, I don't want to keep bringing it back to that, but it's like, because you know that about me and it's funny because you were like, you never talk about being like in like being a punk rock kid and stuff like that. And it's just, it never comes up. No one thinks to ask me, but it's like, that's the girl that I look at and I'm like, I want to make sure I'm making her proud. I want to make sure I'm like the confident spunky drummer for every situation. And I feel like, there have been times I'm almost 40. There's been times like in my last, in the last, you know, yeah, 20 some odd years, 10, 15, whatever, how long, ever long I've been doing this film thing that I've like lost my way, you know? And I've found that like, it did become all about like what I looked like, or it did become all about like very superficial things. And I think I always end up returning to her and being like, no, I want to be that girl. Like that's the girl that I'm the most proud of, you know, is the girl who's like, you know what? I'm going to learn to play drums so I can start a band. Like who does that? <laughs> I well, mean, a lot of people did, but not many women in the nineties. I've, I've watched what you've done over these years. Particularly. I remember watching that episode of heroes where your face pops up and I'm like, well, I think I saw your name in the credits first and was like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it's been really cool to see what you're, you've done. And honestly, like this, this should have been your year. Like I'm so, I'm so, upset for you and so many other great people uh like a great graphic novel a great movie uh you were in fangoria which i happen to have here you did you've done a whole lot of cool stuff do you think that kid that you know 20 something year old kid is proud of you now uh god i hope so i hope so and it's less about like the creation or even the like final product in some ways like so weird like I definitely like when I finished my movie I was like I'd be fine if no one ever watched this I mean it'd be a bummer but like it would be fine because like I feel like I did the thing which I was setting out to do like I accomplished it in the way I would be happy with it um yeah I mean I think it's less about the final product and more about the like way I am on the way and I want to be like a brave person making like bold decisions and things that make sense for me and I and not like I don't know. It's very easy to fall. I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I work on Hollywood. It's very easy to fall into like this very specific way of doing things. And I think as long as I'm doing things that I can be proud of, I don't know. I don't know if she'd be proud of me. I think she would be. I hope she would be. Does it stop opening for less than Jake? That's the question. (laughs) Uh, No, I I would, I would, I would say you've topped opening for less than Jake. (laughs) Um, Didn't you guys play with the Ataris too? Or did I make that up? I remember because that was yeah. like a big thing for us I think that was before less than Jake but I can't remember I can't remember either <laughs> um I, I mean I remember that one maybe that was one of our last shows I think was the Ataris yeah. I, I completely can't remember um 
there, there was just something magical in the water of that specific time, that specific place. When you look back on those Longview days, what do you what do you remember? Are you or Marshall days? I'm sorry, but in my head, it's all Longview days. It all molds into that well, one. It yeah. was East Texas, right? Because you Tyler yeah. as well. I don't know if you ever drove out to Tyler. Oh, the you? box, yeah, I went to the box a few times. Yeah, and and even before I could drive, my brother and I would drive out there to Tyler, and all these hardcore bands, huge hardcore bands, Earth Crisis played Tyler, Texas. Like, wow. what was happening? Yeah. That's so crazy. And then you also got all the Austin bands coming up to Tyler. I want to say I saw at the drive-in at, in Tyler. Oh, I, I like, believe you. Yeah, like tons of big, cool uh, bands that are. I I saw Alkaline Trio in Tyler, Texas at that in the fucking box that tiny I, little room i feel like maybe i saw them there as well i saw i know i saw i definitely saw a lot of like yeah. very big bands that had no right playing in tyler texas um so yes all the east texas like conglomerate outside of dallas because dallas kind of was its own thing and i got involved in that scene as well but east texas i feel like was around before i even started playing music and then i kind of got more involved but but I forgot your question because I was like thinking about Tyler. I don't even remember either because we're just we're just hanging out having fun. Uh, oh, I was like, what do you when you think back on those days? But I think oh, yeah. we've already like talked about what we remember from those days. It's such fun. It's such like such fun memories. Like some of the most important things that happened to me as a teen definitely like completely shaped who I was and what Same. I know about the world. Yeah. And the way I treat the world, the way I treat people, the way I treat, I mean, I'm sure you have this too, the way I treat people that I work with who are like super famous, like, because, in the, you know, in the punk scene, we're all equal. I still view that. Yeah. I still go about the world like that. I still view myself like that. I view everyone like that. It, it took um, me a few years to figure that out. I, uh, I have a re- reputation for being what bands call a punisher. I'm the guy that's like, Oh my God, I love your ba- I. I drink a little too much whiskey and then I tell the bands how much I love them over and over again. Sober me though. Sober me's I got it. Well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta play it cool. I think it's cool to tell people that you're a fan. Like I'm big on yeah. fangirling to people and being like, Hey, just, so you know, I'm like a huge fan of your work because otherwise I feel like I'm holding a secret back from somebody. <laughs> um, but but also I don't view them as doing anything else. They're an artist, just like I'm an artist, just like yeah. when I played in a band. Yeah, I don't know. It, w- it was really good times. I mean, I do feel like it was so weird. It was weird. My parents like allowed me to do the things that I did. Uh, my parents were also getting a divorce. So like, I don't think they knew half the things I was doing, but we would just go to Dallas for a weekend. We'd go to Shreveport for a weekend. I don't know where the hell I was sleeping half the time. Like we would go play cities far away. It was like, it was very like, independence building for lack of a better word. Cause yeah. I was, you know, I did help put on shows and I helped organize things and I helped get the band going. And like that kind of shit took the independence that people our age weren't taking, yeah. you know? And you, you were learning at the time, you were lear- learning very valuable lessons about doing it yourself, which you're still doing to this day. <laughs> do you have any value? Do you have anything that, you know, any lessons you look back upon? I was like, that was the most important lesson that I learned. I mean, all of them. I, I, I like, I can't overestimate like how much I took from that era. I mean, I think, look, I mean, I make indie films, right? I, I, I make really low budget indie films, like in the scheme of things right now. I still, I don't do everything myself. I think I know, like I'm the drummer. I don't also edit the movie or what, you know, like I'm the director, you know, like I've learned the, I've learned those lessons for sure about 
getting people who are good at what they do to do those things. But I also am not scared to get my hands dirty. Like I make films where I go to Home Depot at midnight to buy duct tape, you know, like that is part of me as a director still at the same time, like, which is what you did when, you know, when you played in a band, you like made your own tapes, right? You made your own flyers. I remember drawing out the tapes for like Vicki Lawrence fan club and, and Junction June. And like, I, I like would go to Kinko's and like do all that shit myself. And there was no like shame in that. It was like more of an honor, which is weird. Cause in like the film industry, the whole thing is you want to kind of grow out of that. But I, I can't imagine ever not like getting my hands dirty in some way. And like, bringing shit from my house and being like, and this is a prop. And then this is, and also I make cookies and, uh, you know, and the things that you do that are not necessarily, <laughs> that are yeah. a little bit frowned upon maybe on a bigger set. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. There, there's like, I mean, there's so many things. And I think that there's just like, there was like an ethics to it, right? There's like an ethics to being in punk rock. And like, I still hold all of those like close to my heart like as far like DIY yes but also just like treating people in your community with respect even if you have are different in some ways I guess and respecting other people's art like I think that that's a really important thing I took away from punk rock yeah do you still have any of those artifacts I don't have many of them you sent me the flyer and I was like oh this is amazing because it's just like John and I playing together and but no I I know a friend of college in college has a Vicki Lawrence fan club tape which yeah. is like one of the only ones i know that's in existence um yeah i don't i don't have much of that stuff i'm not even sure any of those bands like <laughs> those cds or we never made cds those uh tapes were worth holding on to i feel like it was for me more like i don't know what they meant to me personally and the relationships that i made and the way i i don't know learned to be human because I think learning to be a human at my high school is a very different thing than learning to be a human at like a punk show on a Friday in Tyler, Texas. My girlfriend's leaving. I'm going to tell her goodbye real quick. Bye. I love you. Bye, girlfriend. Bye, I love you. <laughs> Honestly, I still can't believe that somebody wants to live with me and loves me. That's fucking bizarre. <laughs> I, I didn't expect to live to be almost 40 years old and much less, you know. What were you doing with your life that you didn't think you're going to live to be 40? I don't know. I was just a very depressed kid back then. Um, still, I guess I still am, but I've learned how to get around it. I don't know. Uh, did you ever think you'd grow up to be 40 years old? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. I always thought I'd grow up to be 40. I don't know what I thought I'd be like. I mean, when I was a teenager, I think I thought I'd work in music or something. Um, and then... But I don't know. I always had fantasies of being, of making movies. And like, yeah. that was something I wanted to do since I was a little kid. And I did act as a little kid in like local theater in Marshall. And so like, I always had that in the back of my head that that was something I might want to do was to, I mean, doing, you know, a local play is very different, obviously. But I, yeah. I definitely like had that bug of whatever that is of doing something artistic with my life. We were talking about, you know, you're making indie films. It's still DIY. It's still do it yourself. You know, you did the acting thing in front of the screen. Now you're behind the scenes. You're controlling things a little bit more. What is it like to be back there being the puppet master, so to speak? Yeah, it's really different. I mean, you know, in some ways it's really freeing. I I, I think in some ways I'm not like the person who was ever destined to spend like all of their time in front of the camera. Like that just never, it never totally clicked. Like I said, it works better with my personality. I mean, in some ways it's nice because I can control it more, right? Like, I mean, with acting, you're always waiting on the phone to ring. You're waiting to be in someone else's project. You're waiting to make someone else's dreams come true. And like, 
with writing and directing, you know, even if I am directing something I didn't write or I writing something that I'm never going to direct, like it's, I still get to be part of the, like the initial creative process. And that is really cool to me. Like to see things like start at the beginning and come into fruition, fruition. Like that is like such a, you know, it's very cool. I mean, and also it's something I can do every day. I can like get up, I get up and I write every single day and I go to, I go to work every day by writing or whatever. Um, or whatever I'm working on. And like, as, as an actor, I always had a lot of trouble. It was like, do I learn a monologue today? Do I live my life? Yeah. Do I, I, <laughs> I think, I, I don't know. Do I go to class? I took a ton of classes. I read a ton of books on acting. I did all of the research and I just felt like it was either like in you or not in you. And I, I think this is why actors, it's hard to stay sane doing it because you're constantly just waiting on other people to tell you you're good enough. And with directing and writing you don't actually have to wait that much for that I mean you do there are there are obviously like gates you know and and things that will stop you from making things but with acting it's it's much more clear what those things are I guess yeah I kept I kept watching the um the Angela Angela character Mandy last night and I just kept thinking to myself I was like how much of Bria is channeled into this and how much of it because like by the end of the movie, she's just so grizzled and frazzled. And I remember watching those behind the scenes Instagrams and just how frizzled and frazzled you looked making it. How much, how much of that was art and how much of that was real filmmaking? There? Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, okay. So I'll <laughs> say like, originally I thought I was going to play the Mandy role, but I wanted to, I find there's this like weird bias where if you're in the movie, people are like, but then you couldn't have written and directed the movie. Like there's something weird happens where they can't like comprehend that. So I wanted to make sure it was very clear. Like, no, I'm the director. I'm the writer. I'm, I'm like doing these things now. Um, um, and Angela is just like s- such a better choice than me. <laughs> and so better cho- She just killed it. So, I mean, there's a lot of me in that character, I think, generally. Um, maybe like the underneath, like like grumpy part of me that I don't show as much, like no one sees as much. Um, but yeah, filmmaking's fucking hard. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, especially like on a set like that where I have a crew of about six people or something. The crew is super small. We're doing it on a small budget. I'm literally like helping figure out what the next day is gonna look like. And I, everything is so much more difficult than... <laughs> than like a, a larger movie yeah you're fucking exhausted like at the end of the day I'm I'm like I, I can't sleep because I'm so excited but also I like can't move my legs anymore <laughs> 12 hour shift it comes out on DVD what next week yeah yeah next week on the second I I'd been I had been waiting to watch the movie because in my head it's like well I could rent it for seven dollars or eight dollars on voodoo or I could buy it for 15 20. what's better is it better for me to rent it or is it better for me to buy it what helps you more does it help you at all this is a question I should know the answer to and I actually don't know I can find out for you um here's the thing like they have to make the money back that they bought the movie for it is so rare that indie filmmakers are seeing money after the fact, uh, which is they're they're all broke, um, right. <laughs> me included. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I think either it doesn't matter. We get like a percentage after they make their money back, but it's going to be a while before the movie get, makes its money back, probably. No, well, I hope not, because again and again, not because it really was. It was wonderful. I had such a good time watching it. Thanks. Do you but think I also Scott nominated for a Critics Choice Award? 
award. Really? Yeah, Critics' Choice Award is doing, I just have to like pump her up for a second because she's so good and she's not on social media. So she's like never talking about anything. And she's, she's awesome. Also lady from Texas. Yeah, Critics' Choice Awards is doing like a genre part uh, where it's like, so it's like her and like, I don't know. Like they like it's like she's nominated with like these other big like horror movie actresses this year, which is cool. Yeah, and and she was great in it. I hadn't seen her, God, in years. So thank you for putting her back on the screen. How did she end up in the movie? You know, we we just we have a list of people. She's always been on my list of people to work with because of May. I loved that movie May. Yeah, I think that's how she ended up on a lot of people's radar. Although she's been in a ton of other rad shit. Um, Really, she's in this other indie movie called Drones that a friend of mine directed, and that movie is just so weird and cool and she plays a completely different role and i i remember watching drones and thinking like that's angela bettis like she's like so different and she has so much range um and she just has such a like she can do so much with so little and so she's always been on my list to work with and i reached out to her agent and they were like the role is written for someone like my age i play like early 30s and they were like angela won't even read this she doesn't play that age anymore then i went around her agent (laughs) and went to a friend and was like can you get past this script to angela bettis and they did and she liked it and then i went back through the agent and i was like i'm gonna change the age please just let me like talk to her and then we finally were able to speak and she was rad and it was like she's like a really cool lady also dates a musician uh (laughs) so we bonded over that Mm -hmm. and like just like she totally got it from the beginning i think like the movie is so set in a very specific time with a very specific type of person. Very like small town Texas in the '90s is a very specific thing, right. and she is from there, so she like totally got it. Everything made sense to her. I didn't have to do a lot of explaining, um, and that was awesome. Yeah, because like again, I grew up in Louisiana, but not too far from where you did. Like my mother was a nurse. Those were her friends. Those were like you captured it so. In a way that I've, I don't think I've ever seen like Texas that that area that area of the South captured before. You did a really damn good job with it. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, uh, uh, I, do you... I feel like there's not a ton there. You know what movie captures it really well is um, sure. just getting off topic is uh, is, is Bernie weirdly. Have yeah, you... with uh, Jack Black, also filmed 100%. in Marshall. Yeah, it was a part of it was filmed in Marshall. My dad like knew people who were in involved in the case or something. And uh yeah, that movie I felt like really did a good job of like that part of Texas. That's right, man. I forgot about that movie. What is it? What is it like you grew up in the South? What is it like making movies in the South? Well, we shot that in Arkansas. Um but still not too far, yeah. like what, five hours away? Yeah, I don't know. I I Google mapped it yesterday. It's like oh, five did you? Hours. okay. Yeah. I have no idea. Crazy. Um I, I mean, we, I definitely drove to Arkansas a few times in my teen years to play shows, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was like being, it was a lot like being in East Texas. It was very much like, if I shot a movie in Marshall, I'm sure it would be like this too, where just folks just stop by the set, even though like it's a set, this is a professional workplace. And they're like, can I watch with you? And I'm like, sure, yes. Um, but that, I don't know. There's part of me that's really likes that and likes the family atmosphere of it. And my producer's, liked that as well which worked out they're both two of them are from east texas i mean from arkansas sure and uh like their families worked on the movie like it was definitely like a small town affair which was nice yeah i had uh right before watching that movie we watched uh me and the lady watched the disaster artist which i had never seen 
Um, I've still never seen The Room. But man, I can't imagine what what's going through your head when you're getting ready to make a movie. Because my entire time, I would be worried, oh my God, am I making The Room part two? What's going <laughs> through your head when you're making these things? Well, here's the thing. Like as a director, you don't get to do it that often. So I, you're so excited. <laughs> I mean, for me, I don't know what everyone else is like. You're yeah. so excited and you're so freaked out. And I think in my first movie, I was very much like, I just don't want to fuck this up. Like, I don't want to fuck this up because no one's ever going to let me do it again. And I think that hanging over me was uh, like prohibiting. Like it made me make choices that I wouldn't have made otherwise because I was so worried about what everyone thought and wanted to make this. I don't know. Like, I feel like because of that, it was just like, it was like too much, too much pressure. So in this one, I kind of like, was like, you know, I'm just going to take big swings. And if people, it's a small movie, no one's going to tell me no, <laughs> which is if I, when I make a bigger movie, someone is going to tell me no. So I'm going to take big swings and I'm going to like do stuff that I think is fun and stuff that I think is funny and try to run the set in a way that's fun. I mean, that's sort of like what I took into my second movie. It's like more fun, more like me, more big swings. That yeah. was kind of what I, what I wanted to do. Well, even at one part, it breaks into a musical. That was awesome. Like just out of nowhere, I'm like... <laughs> my producer admitted to me the other day my producer was also my cinematographer and also did my score uh and he admitted to me the other day that uh he did not think that that song would ever make it into the movie he was like because it wasn't in the script it was something i came up with after we were already in arkansas and i was like we should do this and he was like this is never gonna make it to the final cut and it totally did and um i think it's way better for it but like i'm somebody like it's weird i like the movie cats i thought cats was bonkers i had a blast watching it because they did what they set out to do they made a bonkers movie um and i think horror and musicals can kind of ride that line because the rules kind of go out the window so i really like that you combined both of those in uh 12 hour shift and uh i I thought it worked it was that's that's the moment i realized oh it's okay to laugh at this movie oh good 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 yeah it's supposed to be heightened it's a heightened version of everything it's east texas but it's east texas like completely heightened and made comedically broad you know like that was the goal um which i'm glad i put that in there and put in some like crazy stuff because i feel like it gives people like yeah it sets the tone of the movie in some ways my cat wants out i'm so sorry let's start wrapping it up um oh this is one thing i really wanted to talk about i loved the soundtrack for the movie i thought it was incredible What's it like holding that 12 hour shift vinyl in your hand and being like, I was a part of making this. Yeah. Really cool. I mean, 2020 has been a real bust for me. Yeah. <laughs> for everyone. It's funny. I can't like complain because it's been a bust for everybody and it feels like so selfish to complain, but yes, I was supposed to go to Tribeca with 12 hours. I was supposed to go to South by with lucky. Um, and travel the world. And I, I, we were in a bunch of random festivals and we would have been at Telluride. We would have been at, you know, in Spain. We would have been all these places, Fright Fest. Um, so it's like those little wins I'm trying to like take. You know what I mean? Like having the article in Fangoria was like, I, I like sobbed when I read that. It was like such a moving moment because I was like, oh my God, I feel like I, because it, it took so long, right? To go from, to go from like my last movie to this movie and to get to make these movies. And I happened to make two movies back to back last year. And that was like a complete fluke, but it was from six years of pitching both of those movies. So it's like, 
after, you know, six years and many years writing and developing and trying to get this stuff done, I was like, yes, I get to like celebrate. And like, I didn't get to celebrate, um, not in a real way, really. Mm. Um, which I guess, you know, that's what, what happened. That was what the universe had in store for me. And that's much better than a lot of people ended up with this year. Um, but having that vinyl is rad. Like, so I'm trying to take like these little, like, cool. Like I have this thing that is like a representation of something I spent years working on, or I'm going to have like the Blu-ray of 12 hour shift, which is really exciting. Or um, even Shudder showing Lucky, like as their secret screening on the Halloween, like Natasha and I were stoked. Like we were like, oh, that's like, so, it's so meaningful, you know, that yeah. like just these very small things are really meaningful. Man, it, it's something that I've only discovered recently is like, I've always been kind of like a passe. I'm really picky about the horror movies I like, but Shudder, I got really into Adam Green's The Movie Crypt podcast, which I know you've been on. You've been on his scary sleepover. And because of his podcast and because of Shudder, I've like rediscovered this this community of horror people. And it's a very DIY community. So it, it, it makes sense that you would fit in there. What do you find in that horror community that you're really, what clicks with you in that horror community? I mean, it's it's a little bit of the same as like a punk community, is the punk community. Yeah. Like it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of weirdos and outcasts. <laughs> yeah. And when you get a bunch of weirdos together, they make weird, cool stuff. And I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've always, I mean, obviously like I like art, I've been drawn to art and want to surround myself with artists, but there is something about like more mainstream stuff I'm not as drawn to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I watch it, a lot of it as well. And I love a lot of like, you know, more stuff on the nerdy side of things as opposed to horror. I love like sci-fi stuff as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the horror community is a very like welcoming space. Like they, they kind of make room for all of the weirdos. <laughs> and I like, I like that. I'm, I'm drawn to that. And I don't know if it's because we're all drawn to horror or if it's because, I don't know if it's that we're drawn to horror or horror is drawn to us or like what it is. But I think at the end of the day, it's cool people who get involved yeah. in it for the most part. I think it's kind of a parallel track because it's people just, you can, like I was saying, you can, go bonkers in a horror movie and it's okay you can't necessarily go bonkers in like a drama i like that idea and that's what draws me to more of the horror is that you can it is it's bonkers like reanimator yeah you can take a lot of risks you can take yeah. risks you can be political you can uh you know you you can fight for the underdog i think a lot of the people in horror are the underdogs they were the shy kids at school they were the weirdos you know, they were like, whatever. And they've kind of like found this nice community of other people who they relate to on that, uh, on that level. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice world. And I will say like, even when I was just an actress, when I wasn't creating stuff, the horror community was really welcoming. Like people always took me seriously. Um, I, I definitely like had more say as an actress, as far as like the roles I took and like what my characters did, like people were interested in what I had to say as an artist and what I had to contribute, not just like wanting to put my face on there. It's one of the few genres that as an actor, you can go in and have very few credits and like start off and then people take you seriously. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the very few genres that is, that a lot of the movies are female led. And like, so I think for like actresses, it's also just a great place. I have like this very loyal, nice fan base of people who like support everything I do, even as I transitioned into writing and directing more. I've actually like, I'm 40 years old. I have no experience. I've been a couple of years ago. I wrote, I had a midlife crisis, you know, at like 35 and I wrote a, a new bucket list. And on there was like making a movie. And I'm like, mm. maybe 
let me ask you, I'm 40 years old, almost 40, no experience. Talk me out of making a movie. Talk you out of it? I would talk you into I, it. No, no, that's that's actually what I that's that's what I want. <laughs> I absolutely I, I mean, here's the thing, like, yes, if you said this in 1990, I'd be like, that was gonna be tough. Uh, but in 2020, 2021, um, I, it's look, you it's easier to get a camera, it's hire a good sound guy. I'll just say that. Make sure you have a good sound guy, because if you don't have good sound, you're gonna be fucked. And people always forget about sound. Um, and get a good decent script i my theory is you can make you can't make anything without a good script you can make a really bad movie from a bad script you can make a bad movie from a good script but you can't make a good movie from a bad script so get a good script or make a short like make a short it's and 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 what's nice kind of about the horror world is that like i don't think there's any um disparity between like feature makers and short makers like when i go to festivals all the directors in the same pool like it's all of us are respected like respect each other for what they're doing like i i think you should i think people i think there's always room for more art in this world yeah well well thank you for the great advice i have this idea in my head that there might be a 16 year old kid out and i don't know why i always go to iowa but i always go to iowa with this example um they want to make things you know you're somebody who's made demo tapes, you've made movies, you've made comic books. I was always somebody who asked for permission to make things. I was, I would uh, even restarting this. I was like, what do you guys think? Should I restart this thing? It doesn't seem like you asked those questions. So for that kid out in Iowa who wants to make things, do you have any advice for those kids? First of all, I don't think you should have like any shame if you're a person who does feel like they need to ask. You just have to give it up and stop asking. (laughs) Like I definitely have had years of my life where I felt like I did need to ask people for permission for things. And um, yeah, that, that doesn't work as well. I mean, I can't remember where I read this, but I mean, good advice someone gave me is that like, someone gets to make the thing, right? Like someone goes out and gets to make the movie. Someone goes makes goes and makes a horror movie. Goes and makes a Marvel movie. The shit you watch on TV, like someone is making that. Like, why is it not you? Like, why not? Like that. that, There's no reason it shouldn't be you. And at this point, is as far as history goes, it is the most welcoming time. It's not 100% welcoming, but it's the most welcoming time for all people from all different parts of life and all different parts of the world. And I'm like a dumbass from East Texas who's able to make my way into this. And if you can do that, I mean, if I could do that with literally knew nobody when I moved here, I had no connections. I mean, I think that it's possible. I always try to tell people I'm just a dumb schlub. I'm just a, a guy with a microphone who just asks questions. Look at all the cool shit I did. What can you do? And, and, and I look at somebody like you and I'm like, man, maybe I should have tried just a little bit harder. <laughs> it's not too late. And, and I'm not, I think I agree. Like, I don't feel like I'm especially good at anything. (laughs) Like I don't, I I was not especially good at playing drums. I'm not especially good at any particular skill. I just like, I, I don't think talent and, and John says this a lot. Talent is not rare and most people have some sort of talent, but talent and hard work is rare. So just be that person. I, I don't agree with what you just said, but cause I loved uh, (laughs) Mary I read it in one sitting. It was wonderful. I loved, I loved 12 hour shift. Like I'm going to rant and rave about that for a long time. This was really cool. Honestly, I could talk to you about all this stuff for, for hours and hours and hours. 
thank you so much for giving me your time. Uh, one of the things that's that stuck out to me from both, because I watched Best Friends Forever last night. I just recently read Mary. And there was a sentiment that I found in both of them that I'm going to read off my computer real quick. You mentioned in both Best Friends Forever and Mary that words have power. That's something I found as well in my writing. Um, I write a lot about my depression. I write like short essays. But if I just save them to my computer, they don't do anything. Like, But when I release them out to the world, they have this cathartic energy. So I want to know what kind of what kind of magic do words have for you? That's a good question. I mean, it's funny. I, I will say like, I'm a big journaler and no one does read that, but I do feel like the things I discover and feel in my journals is like some of the most important work that I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit my therapy. I also go to regular therapy, but it is also there. Journaling is one of my <laughs> therapies. Um, but I mean, as far as like the stuff I put out into the world, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, look, my as far as like the, the media that I consume, the things that I love in life, they have an element of like escapism and optimism and like the world is bigger than your backyard kind of feel to them. And I think for so many years, I only got that through reading books and watching movies. And it, as a teenager and as a kid, that was like how I understood that the world was bigger and that there could be more things happening in the world. And so I think now I sort of strive to create those worlds and I try to do that with words. Yeah, I mean, that's where I would start. But I think, I mean, there's so many ways I think in which that like is such an important thing to, to like to say, you know, my love language is words. Yeah. <laughs> words of affirmation is my love language. It's like the most important thing. The most important thing someone can do is like say something nice. And I, I, I think I stand by that. Like that's the most important thing to me. It's the most important thing I try to do for other people. If you're on my set, I will, if it seems like you're having a bad day, I'll like take you by the head if you allow that and be like, are you having a bad day? And people will be like, yes. I'm like, you're awesome. I love you. You're handsome. You're gorgeous. You're talented. Like I'll like go on and on. And I'm like, I believe all these things about you. Cause they do. And I think we don't often say them to each other. We don't yeah. like say nice shit to each other. And like, why would we not? And why would we not use our words to do something powerful and good? Let, let me reverse that on you. If somebody came up to you and told you that, would you believe them? Cause I know I would not. Um, I guess it depends on who's saying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some ways, and sometimes I just want to hear it. You know, I think like, I mean, you're in a relationship. I think sometimes yeah. you you just need to hear your partner be like, "I think you're really talented," and you're like, "Oh, thank yeah. you, person who like has to clean up my dinner." You know, like <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Like somebody that has to tell you, <laughs> you know. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I will say like. I believe it more from people I'm friends with than people that are strangers. And that's come from years and years of being a little bit of a public persona. I don't think I'm nearly as public as a lot of people, but um, I find that there can be just a lot of smoke blown up your ass and yeah. a lot of like people saying stuff that's not real, but people who say that to me that I know it does mean a lot. And, and, you know, it's almost even less the like, the like, you're good at this. I'm like, thank you. But when they say like, you work really hard or something like that means way more to me than like, you know, oh, your face is pretty or something. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you get, I'm not just kissing your butt this whole time. I really <laughs> did love Mary. I really did love 12 hour shift. I'm really excited for Lucky. I'm, uh, I watched uh, ap after midnight. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. I watched that this afternoon. 
wonderful man oh like so it's I'm very proud of that one i want to like plug it if people haven't seen it i cannot i i it's a brilliant script it's a one i think that movie is like one of my favorite things i've ever done well before i let you go let's take a couple minutes because i guess you know these things are supposed to sell stuff where can people find mary mary uh, okay, real quick mary adventures of mary shelley's great 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 granddaughter um personally for me it reminds me of not Buffy the TV show, but Buffy the comics meets the Sabrina Netflix show. Like, yeah, I, I feel like this had more in common with the Josh Whedon uh, comic book series. Yeah. Can uh, where can people find this at? In any any place. I encourage people to go to bookshop.org. Hey, uh, that's where I bought this. Oh, good. That's where you're like, your local bookstore will get a percentage of what you spend. So that's nice during a pandemic. But all this shit I, I link from my Instagram. If like you go, I have like a link tree. So if you yeah. can't find it. It should be there, hopefully. Uh, 12 Hour Shift comes out on DVD. I was about to say CD, geez. Wow. Uh, it comes out on DVD, what, next? Uh, this will probably air next week, so it's probably out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to pick up a copy. I really did. Are, are there going to be special features on there? Did you do a commentary or anything? You no, know, I'm going to release a commentary on my website. Cool. So I'm going to release at least one commentary, maybe two. I'm trying, I might do another one this week with like one of the PAs from the movie. <laughs> cause I, cause he's one of my very good friends. He was my assistant, but he's also like my friend. And I think that could be fun. Um, I'm going to release that. And um, I have a behind the scenes video I'm working on and I'm doing a couple of things. This is the DIY filmmaker part of me. That's, that's putting stuff out, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Lucky, Lucky's coming exclusively to shutter. Is that right? Yep. It- couple months maybe maybe we'll talk again between now and then um reading glasses podcast you're a tv personality how do you get your hair to look so nice every day you wear a lot of different hats today i washed it i don't normally when you told me it was video i was like oh no Uh (laughs) thank you for putting on your face or whatever it is you make up a little bit and i and i did my hair you know i did my hair myself until i was almost 30 years old or something like that. And then I was like, I'm going to pay someone to do my hair now. This is like the time, but I, but pandemic pandemic came and I was like, I've been preparing for this my whole life. I'm, I cut my hair. I cut my boyfriend's hair. We're set. Jesus. There anything else I missed? Oh, you did. You directed a couple of episodes of, uh, what was the show? The shows show you directed? Pandora, which you can still watch on. You can watch it online on CW. It's on the CW, but you can watch it well, online yeah. on their online platform. Yeah. When do you find time to sleep? I sleep so much. This is the secret of me. I sleep like nine hours every night. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bria, it's been, I, my God, it, it's been such a wonderful time catching up with you. Can we do this again? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Please, sure. please. I'm yeah, so thankful. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to plug before I let you go, like, have your, have your day? What did oh, we forget? Me. No, I have nothing. <laughs> oh, but you're so busy. Um, what are you working on now? Anything you can talk about? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I write every day. So I'm writing some stuff. I'm writing another sort of East Texas thing, but not 90s. Um, uh, but it, it's like apocalyptic. And then, um, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing that like, you know, it's coming out anytime soon. But cool. we'll see. There's things percolating like. But it's, make another movie next year. This is actually what I want to end this interview with. If this is okay for you, uh, it's a quote. I, I, man, I bet people ask you this all the time, but are you exactly where you're supposed to be? <laughs> uh, no one asks me that, and I appreciate what? that. 
No. Uh, of course, that's a quote from your uh, your first debut uh, directorial debut, Best Friends Forever, which you can watch right now. IMDb, IMDb TV, whatever has it for free. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. With ads, um, with ads, but yeah. Great, fantastic. Uh, am I exactly where I'm supposed to be? Well, you have to be, right? <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's sort of like you know, writing this anxious character who was like trying to get through every day. And like, I always felt like this too. And I think anyone feels like this where you're like, I mean, you literally just said it where you're like, am I too old to be doing this? Can I, can I make a movie? Am I allowed, allowed? Like, I feel like we're always trying to figure out like, did I make a bunch of mistakes along the way? And I'm supposed to be living a different life, but like, you can't. So you are, you're exactly where you're supposed to be because you, you don't have another choice. And there's something <laughs> kind of comforting about that to yeah. me even though I try to challenge it every day. Oh, no!